Praise the Lord. Good morning. Great to see you. Stand with me if you would, please. Father, I honor you in this house this morning. We have worshiped you in song. We have raised our hands. We have clapped our hands. We have given glory with our voice to you. And now, Father, I honor you by honoring the people that are here. Father, this is a precious church. It's a powerful church. And I thank you for every person that is here today, their uniqueness, their difference, their anointings, their giftings. And, Father, before I even begin to bring them the word, I want to honor them today. All that they know and all that they're going to know, we give you praise. Father, I take the hand of your pastor, one of your pastors here, and I thank you for Pastor David. I thank you, Lord, that the heart of the shepherd is so evident within him. The love for the people, the compassion for the people, the desire for the people, the desire to feed the sheep and lead the sheep, the desire he has and his precious wife and all of the staff and all of the pastors, Lord, I've never heard them say negative words about the people of God, but their heart is toward you and your precious people. So I honor them and I honor the anointing. I humble myself before you. I blend my anointing with the leadership of this church. And I pray, Lord, on this final day of this weekend that I am with them, that I will give them a rhema word corporately and personally, and it will bring forth much fruit, and we'll give you the glory for it in the name of Jesus. And if you believe that today, just raise up both hands and let's just worship the Lord with our voice for about 30 seconds. Come on, just lift your voice. Oh, we bless you, Lord. We honor you. We glorify you. We thank you that you're moving us to next. We thank you, Lord, that you're moving us to higher ground and newer ground and blessed ground, and we're going to touch people with the gospel. We're going to impact this region with the gospel. And we give you praise, Lord, in the precious name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Amen. Give the Lord a clap offering. You can be seated. Praise God. I said that in one church. And uh, give the Lord a clap offering. I said, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, you're precious. Wow, she wants me to have Fiji water. <laughs> and uh, you all, what a hospitality this church has. You have such a great hospitality. And I always feel like family when I'm here. And I know we're family of God. But I really feel a covenant connection with all of you, and I thank God for all of you. And uh, what the Lord is doing in your life I know, and uh, I bore witness with Daniel in the spirit, Pastor Daniel, when he was, when he was speaking, that uh, no matter what you're going through, God is there before you arrive. Jacob said, God was in this place, and I didn't know it. Good news, he's there before you got there. And in whatever you're going to face, whether it be good, bad, or ugly, God is there before you get there. And the recognition of his presence changes everything. And he is our father. So I love you as a family. I thank God for you. We'll be leaving right after the service and going up to Kelowna. Uh, Pastor Nelson and I will be going up, and I'll be in the cowboy church tonight. Amen? And I'm going to be wearing my boots and my jeans. Hallelujah. And uh, if they just had my horse, I'd feel at home. 
And uh, then tomorrow we're going to be in Kelowna, and I'm going to be ministering to uh, uh, leaders from two different fellowships there, ministers, and we'll look forward to that. This has been probably one of the busiest years in 49 years of preaching the gospel. It's been extremely busy, and that's not a complaint. I'm grateful. Somebody said, you're going you're gonna to burn out. I said, I'd rather burn out for Jesus than rust out in religion. And uh, I'm going to stay on the go. Going to keep doing what God's called me to do. Amen. And so we love you much. I believe I have a word for you today. Open your Bibles to Numbers chapter 13, verse 30. I've been teaching you on the power or the ability to move to God's next. And I had more to teach concerning that. And last night, the Holy Spirit really redirected me, although it deals with moving to God's next. And last night, we talked about our thought style becoming our lifestyle. That as a man thinketh, so is he. We dealt with that last night. And this morning when I awakened, the Lord really began to stir me. And I think I awakened around 5 this morning. And he began to stir me in two different areas. And really, I didn't know which area he wanted me to move in. And, and, and the closer I got to the service, I began to sense his heart. And how many want to know his heart? Not just a sermon, not just, and that's another thing I love about the people here and your leaders here. They really have a desire to hear the voice of God. Amen? And I felt stirred, and I said, Lord, what you're leading me to bring, I, a couple of the points I dealt with a little bit last year here, and the Lord almost humorously reminded me that repetition is more powerful than truth. See, some of you are saying, no, nothing's more powerful than truth. Oh, yeah, a lie repeated over and over again will have more power than truth repeated once. If you don't believe it, ask Joseph Goebbels of the Nazis. Study your history. And so a couple of the things I'm going to deal with, I've dealt minusculely with before. But I want to talk to you today, and I don't have PowerPoints because the Lord led me in a different way here. I want to talk to you today about not settling for anything less than what God has for you in your life. Numbers chapter 13, verse 30. Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it or possess the land God has promised us. For we are well able to overcome it. I really want to deal with you today as a church body, yes. As a church family, yes. And individually in your individual lives. And the real heart that God dealt with me about early, early this morning was, tell my people I have something more. I have new territory. I have new revelation. I have new anointing. I have new life. He said, tell my people that I'm the God of the new. The Bible says he makes all things new. Jeremiah said his mercies are new every morning. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to settle for anything less than what God wants me to do with my life. I don't want to settle for anything less than what God wants me to receive or what God wants me to be. So I want to give you some things very quickly today. Are you ready to receive? Say amen. 
Whenever God is ready to deliver you out of a restriction, whenever God is ready to promote you into a new area of influence, whenever God is ready to give you a next, if you will, to move you to what he has next for you, a settlement will always be offered. Whenever God wants to move you forward, the enemy will always have a settlement offered for you. Take this. Be satisfied here. You remember when Israel came out of Egyptian bondage. Moses went into Pharaoh and looked at him and said, Let my people go that we may go into the wilderness and worship the Lord. And Pharaoh said, I tell you what, I'll let you go, but don't go far. He's offering a compromise settlement. And then a couple of plagues came. And Moses went back in front of him and said, Let my people go into the wilderness so we can worship the Lord. And he said, I tell you what, you can go as men, but don't take your families with you. A settlement compromise was offered. A few more plagues came, and Moses comes back in and says to Pharaoh again, let us go into the wilderness to worship the Lord. And he offers another settlement. He says, okay, you can go. You can take your families, but leave your flocks and your herds and all your possessions here. How many know the devil's always got a compromise for you? He's always got something to keep you back from everything God wants you to have. And I love what Moses finally says. He said, we will go with our young, with our old, with our flocks, with our herds. Not one hoof will be left behind. And he didn't add, but when we leave, we're going to take your silver and gold with us. No compromise. Say that out loud with me. No compromise. Say it again. No compromise. I want what God has for this church. Can I hear an amen? I want the best for what he has for this family. I want the best for what he has for you. Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I am come that you might have a miserable life, a sorrowful life, a depressed life, a barely making it through life, not in my Bible, a life that is more abundant. And so I want to talk to you today about don't settle for less. There was a whole generation of Israel that was willing to settle for the garlic and onions of Egypt when God had the grapes and the milk and the honey of Canaan. There was a whole generation that were willing to settle to die in the desert rather than to live in the pleasant land of Canaan. And I don't know about you, but I'm not going to settle for anything less than what God has for me. So I want to give you a couple of things today. Number one, well, actually, more than a couple of things. But number one, I always feel so at home here. Don't settle for remembering when you can have renewal. Don't settle for just remembering what God has done when you can have a renewal of what God is doing now. I love Isaiah 43, 18. It says this, Remember not the former things, neither keep dwelling or thinking about 
the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it will spring forth. You will know it. I'm going to make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Have you ever noticed this? Believers tend to remember what we ought to forget and forget what we ought to remember. We have a tendency to remember our past sins, but God has forgotten our past sins. We have a tendency to remember our past failures, but God has forgotten our past failures. Anybody grateful for that? And we tend to forget what we ought to remember. Was God with us in the past? Yes. Did God see us through what we've walked through? Yes. I told this the other night, but it bears repeating right now in this point in this context. We were up at Whistler for a couple of days, and I love Whistler. I love BC. Shoot, you guys, heaven kept me might be much better. I'm serious. I, I've been all around the world, and I told somebody the other day, I am, I am considering the option. I am seriously, during this presidential election, considering learning to say, eh, I'm considering if you'd let me come. I, but B.C., and every time, every time I get in B.C., I want to get on that highway. Sea to sky highway. To the left is the sea. To the right are the mountains. Straight up is the sky, and who cares what's under you? When you're on that road, it's like heaven to me. Heaven couldn't be much better than that. We get up in Whistler, and, and we got on the razors, the Polaris razors, and we took an ATV ride. Brother Mike, I don't know if that was spiritual. It didn't have a thing to do with spiritual. We just having fun. <laughs> having fun is spiritual. I don't believe that. You're the one that needs to have some fun. <laughs> and uh, we, got, we, we rented these razors. And your pastor got in the, the one that, wow, excuse me, but I just got messed up in my message. Wow. Praise the Lord. Please stand. Come here. I want to show you. I want to show you abundant life. I want to show you abundant life. You ready for abundant life? How beautiful. How beautiful are the feet of those that... <laughs> that preach the gospel of peace. You may be seated. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just looked down and it went, <laughs> But we were, we were up at Whistler, and we got in this razor at 900 XP, and we started following the other razors. You know, Josh, you needed to be there. It's splendid. I think they're going to do it for you and make him pay. But anyway, we're going to, we're headed up, we're headed up this mountain on these ATVs. 900 XPs, and there's boulders in front of us and rocks and all kinds of stuff. And I can almost see in Pastor David, is he going to be able to get over that? And Winona's in the back praying in the Spirit. <laughs> and we're going up, and we get up to the top. It looks like the top of the world. And they pull over, and there's an old cedar that has been cut down. And the log goes out over the precipice, and there's this deep canyon and beautiful fir trees and wonderful red maples and the, the golden whatever they were. 
quakey aspen or alder, and, and they're all, and it's gorgeous. And I've got the picture. Listen, hey, you're the man that can do this. Next week, put the picture up of pastors standing out on the edge of the log over the canyon, over the precipice. I'm going somewhere with this. Just hang on. And they took a picture. And when they came back from the edge of the log, I mean, it's, it's way out over everything. And it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. Came back and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And I walked up to Winona and said, the devil told you you weren't supposed to be here now. The devil told you he was going to take you out now. How does it feel to feel like a queen at the top of the earth? And I looked down like this and said, how do you like her now? My friend, you need to remember what God has brought you through. You need to remember what God has brought you through. There's some of you here that should have died a long time ago, but you're alive and well in the house of God today. There's some of you that should have been in prison. Nobody point, just. <laughs> you should have been in prison years ago, but God had mercy on you. There's some of you here that should have died an alcoholic or a hopeless drug addict, but God had mercy. And folks, we need to remember the goodness of God. But our problem is, instead of remembering the goodness of God, we remember the other things. Or we remember just what he did in the past. My friend, let me tell you something. The God that came through for you in your yesterdays is capable of coming through for you in your todays. He's capable of coming through for you in your tomorrows. I thought of this song, so I Googled it. Thank God for Brother Google and Sister Surrey. Not Surrey, Surrey. And I Googled it so I get the words. Listen to these words. You may be down and feel like God has somehow forgotten that you're faced with circumstances you can't get through. And now it seems there's no way out and you're going under. But God's proven time and time again, He'll take care of you. The second verse says, God knows the things you're going through. He knows you're hurting, and he knows just how your heart has been broken in two. But he's the God of the stars, of the sun, and the sea, and he is your father. You see, he can calm the storm, and he's going to find a way to fix this for you. And the chorus says this, he'll do it again. He'll do it again. I just feel like singing hallelujah. If you'll just take a look where you are now and where you have been, hasn't he always come through for you? He's the same now as then. You may not know how. You may not know when, but he'll do it again. Hallelujah. Anybody believe that? You see, God made our mind for replay and preplay. What do I mean by that? Based on what God did in the past, 
I can predict what God will do for me in the future. David is facing a giant called Goliath. And notice what he says. He says, wait a minute, I'm replaying something in my past. There was a lion that came out against the flock. And the Spirit of God came on me. And I killed the lion. And if God was with me with the lion. Oh, and I remember that another time a bear came out. And I took the bear and killed the bear and skinned it and tanned it and gave it to mom for Mother's Day. That's a little addition. We don't know what he did with it, but he killed the bear. And based on the replay, he said, if God was with me with the lion, and if God was with me with the bear, who is this giant to think that he can defy God? How many know, friend, that we don't have to settle for what he did when he's getting ready to do much more. Can I hear an amen? Next, I want to say this to you as a church and as individuals. Don't settle for man's assignment when you can have God's assignment. Don't settle for man's assignment when you can have God's assignment. How many have ever noticed that there are many people who know what you are supposed to be. And they are very willing to give their commentary. How many have learned that? There are a lot of people that don't even know what they're supposed to be. But they know what you're supposed to be. They want to define you. My friend, let me tell you something. Every one of you here are unique in God. Every one of you here have gifts within you. The Bible said when you were in your mother's womb, God placed certain gifts in you. In Jeremiah chapter 1, it says, while you were still unformed in your mother's womb, I knew you and called you to be a prophet. When John the Baptist was in his mother's womb, the Bible said that at the salutation of Mary with Jesus in her womb, that the baby leaped for joy, that literally even before you're born, God is at work in defining who you are. I love the song we sang earlier about your thoughts define me. Not man's thoughts define me. Your thoughts define define me. So I want to say this to you prophetically today. Do not accept man's assignment when you can have God's assignment. Go back to David standing before Goliath again. His brothers called him one thing, but God called him another thing. The people saw him as a shepherd. But God said, he's not a shepherd, he's a king. To his dad and his brothers, he was an embarrassment. But to God, he said, he's a man after my own heart. To his brothers, he was a delivery boy delivering sandwiches. Just a delivery boy. But to God, he was the deliverer of Israel. To his brothers, he was a mischievous boy. But to God... He was a mighty man. To others, he was a spectator. But to God, he was a leader. Get a hold of this. I, don't, I can't spend a lot of time on it. But get a hold of this. Get your identity from your father. 
I dealt with this a lot last night. But get your identity from your Father. Not what other people say about you. Not how other people want to form you. And love people. Let me help you with this. Love people. Trust God. Trust God's understanding. Why? People mean well, but they don't really know everything about you. They don't know the gifts that are within you. They don't know the purpose God has placed for you. They love you. They care about you, even your brothers and sisters. And they think they've got the right idea, but it may not be. God knows how to define you. I think in the Old Testament when Jacob and Rachel are having a baby, and Rachel is in hard, hard, hard labor, and eventually she dies giving birth to this boy. And in the circumstances of the pain of trying to give birth, labor is bad enough, but she's dying. She's hemorrhaging. She knows she's dying. And she screams out and she says, call this baby Benoni, which means son of my sorrow. Now imagine going through your life Every time somebody would call your name, they would be blaming you for your mama's death because your name meant son of my sorrow. And, she, and I don't blame Rachel. She's in pain. And she says, define him as the son of my sorrow. But in Judaism, and they were Jews The mother does not name the child. The father names the child. And Jacob is there while the baby's being delivered. Are you ready to rejoice in a minute? Watch this. And she says, call him the son of my sorrow. Define him as the reason of my pain and the reason of my death. And make him carry that label all his life. And Jacob said, no, no, baby. I'm sorry you're hurting. I'm sorry for the pain. I'm sorry I'm losing you. But we're not going to name this boy son of my sorrow, Benoni. We're going to name him Benjamin. And Benjamin means the son of my right hand, (laughs) meaning the son of my strength, the son of my sorrow. And I feel real stirred right now that God is speaking to some people in here. People have put labels on you. People have put definitions on you. You've carried them all your life. People have tried to define you, but God is your Father. Don't take it from anybody else. God is your Father, and He says, you're not Benoni. You're Benjamin. You're not son of my sorrow. You're son of my right hand. Hallelujah. Do not settle. Don't. Please don't. I don't know if you hear my passion in my heart, but oh, don't settle for what people want to make out of you when God has got a better plan for you. Number three, don't settle for being a failing victim when you can be a finishing victor. Don't settle for being a failing victim when you can be a finishing victor. All men stumble. Champions get up. Grab this. All men stumble. All women stumble. 
Champions, get up. The Bible says a just man will fall seven times, but he'll rise again. And God is able to make him stand. Failure isn't final unless you quit. Failure isn't final unless you quit. Well, Brother Mike, I've just met some folk in religion that have never failed. You've met some folk in religion that are lying. I know we rude Americans. (laughs) All men fail. Everybody fails. The Bible says all, 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 Romans 3, 23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And it's interesting, that word all in the Greek, when you really break it down, means all. Everybody, the only perfect man that's ever lived on the earth was Jesus, and they hung him on a cross. Now, I'm not giving license for sin. I'm not saying we ought to live sloppy. I'm not even necessarily talking about sin, although it may be. But all of us have failed. All of us come short. Do not let your failures define you. Do not let your failures put a tag on you. God is able to take failures and make them into champions. If you don't believe it, read Hebrews chapter 11. We call it the Hall of Fame of Faith. It could also be called the Rogue's Gallery of Failures. There's only two people in the whole list that we don't know anything bad about. And that's because... Abel got bumped off early by his brother. And he didn't live long enough for us to get a history of him. And Enoch walked so close to God, God took him to heaven. And so we don't have a history of him. But the rest of them, Hebrews chapter 11 tells the last of the story. Genesis in the Old Testament tells the first of the story. And read about it. Noah even after the ark, plants a vineyard, gets some wine, gets smashed out of his mind, naked in his tent, and brings a curse on his family. It, did God endorse that? No. But he proved that Noah could fail. Abraham failed. Sarah failed. Isaac lied about his wife. Jacob stole his birthright and deceived his blind daddy. Moses was a nice guy. He would kill you and bury you in the sand. (laughs) Rahab had been a prostitute. Gideon was a doubter. Barak was a coward. Samson was a moral failure. Jephthah made a foolish vow. And we all know about David. Brother Mike, are you condoning failure? No. Are you saying we ought to live planning failure? No. I'm just telling you that God is a redeemer. He can redeem us out of our failures. He can redeem us out of our shortcomings. Oh, come on, somebody. Believe this. 
And some of you are still haunted by something you did decades ago. You've already repented of it. The blood has washed you clean and you're still haunted by it. Can I tell you, you don't have to settle for that kind of life. You don't have to settle for being a failing victim when you can be a finishing victor. I don't know why early this morning I'm thinking about songs I hadn't thought of in years. And I thought of this song. I wrote it down. I've heard, I've heard how a bird with a broken wing can never fly high anymore. But I'll tell you what I know. That's not always so. For once I lay broken and sore. I fell from above like a wounded dove with no hope of ever flying again. But with grace from above and God's wonderful love, I'm flying higher than I've ever been. My friend, I don't care where you failed. God can redeem the failure. I don't care how you messed up. God, can, But Brother Mike, if you only knew, he does, he can fix it. And the rest of us don't need to know. Start trusting in his blood's ability to redeem your failure. Can I hear an amen? Can I give you a couple more? I'm going to anyway, but I like enthusiasm. <laughs> don't settle for regretting loss when you can recover all. Don't settle for regretting loss when you can recover all. Joel 2.25, I will restore to you the years the locusts have eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm and the great army that came amongst you. What you have lost, you can recover. Don't stop. Don't say, look at the years I've lost. Look at the time I've lost. Look at, don't live your life in regret. Now, all of us have regrets. Anybody would tell you they never have a regret, have, hasn't learned anything. Amen? I hear people say all the time, I look back over my life and I don't have any regrets. How's it feel to never learn anything? I mean, you're kidding me, right? You have no regrets? Oh, yeah, I have some regrets. I regret that I didn't discover my stupid zones earlier in life. And all of us have got them. And if you think you haven't, you've yet to discover them. All of us do. I don't have any regrets about Jesus. I don't have any regrets about the Word of God. I don't have any regrets about loving the Lord and living in His kingdom. But I have a lot of regrets in my life. But I don't live in them. I don't live in them. When I was in my 20s, a man came into my life that was, could have been a major mentor in my life. He was a powerful man of God, but I didn't have enough discernment then to recognize who he was. He came back in my life 10 years later, but I regret the 10 years I didn't have with him. I regret that. I say, Brother Mike, we're going to pray for you. No, no, no. I have a regret, but I don't live in the regret. The way you beat the regret is this. Learn from it, leave it, live above it, and teach others how to avoid it. That's what you do with regrets. You learn from it, you leave it, you live above it, and you teach others to avoid it. And I really feel stirred about this today. Hey, church, hey, today is the day, not yesterday. Don't live in your regrets of yesterday. You'll miss the opportunities of tomorrow. 
I don't know why, but I'm th I've thought of old songs this morning earlier. What man takes away, God will restore. And when he gives back, he always gives more. Believe that you can recover all. A friend of mine wrote this song, Broken But Mended Again. Broken But Mended Again. And scars just remind me that grace always finds me. I was broken, but I mended again. Oh, come on. Anybody grab that? Broken. You ever been broken? Has anybody ever broken your heart? Has anybody ever walked away from you? Has anybody ever disappointed you? Has anybody that you put trust in ever destroyed you, tried to destroy your reputation? Have you ever been broken? I have. Broken, but mended again. Broken. I'm going to get it happy right here. <laughs> but mended again. And I love this, Louise. I love these lines. Scars just remind me that grace always finds me. If somebody doesn't shout hallelujah on that, I'm going to shout for every one of you. <laughs> hallelujah. 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 Scars. Do you have any scars? Yeah. Has anybody ever hurt you? Yes. Has anybody ever lied about you? Yes. Have you ever been falsely accused? Yes. Join the human race. We all have. Did it hurt? Yes. Were you wounded? Yes. Are you still wounded? No. I'm scarred. There's a big difference. Wounds are still open and subject to infection, and my soul can become septic and toxic, but I'm not wounded. I was wounded, but now I'm scarred because His grace, come on, somebody, His grace his grace came to my wound and closed it and scarred it. And now when I remember what some people have done to me in my life, I tell you, I'm speaking rhema word to some of you here. You remember, I get amused. People say, I'll just forget what people did. Are you kidding? There are things we can't forget. You don't tell a, you don't tell a lady who was sexually abused when she was a child over and over again. I just forget it. Come on, man. Let's, let's use a little more sense than that. We easily pull a scripture out like a pistol and say, forgetting the things that are behind. It doesn't work that easy. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're shouting now. It doesn't work that easy. Tell the brokenhearted mother whose little infant suddenly dies and nobody understands why. Oh, just forget it. God's got something. No, no, no. There's real pain in life. There's real pain in life. And it's not easy to forget it. But the brokenness of yesterday can become the scars of today, which will become the strengths of tomorrow. Can I hear an amen? Let me give you this. Do not settle for not enough when there is more than enough. Do not settle 
For more, or not enough when there is more than enough. Brother Mike, I don't, and I'm not even talking about just finances here. As soon as you say that, people think, well, that's, that's money. Well, it can be money, but it may be not enough peace, not enough joy, not enough wisdom, not enough ideas, not enough strength, not enough opportunities. And I'm surprised how many people in religion think that's God's will. God wants me to live with not enough. I got a text not long ago, and somebody had gone to a church service, (laughs) and they were exasperated, and they said, I don't know why I went to this church. The preacher got up and preached that Jesus never had a roof over his head and lived outside every day of his life for 33 years. I guess he was like Tarzan and lived in the trees. I mean, how dumb can we possibly be? His dad was a carpenter. In fact, he was an architect. He didn't live out in the rain. Foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, and a man doesn't have a place to lay his head. 33 years he slept in the trees. Not hardly. Not hardly. When he said, foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, he had just come out of Herod's reign, and he called Herod an old fox. And every Jew knew what a fox was. He said, Herod is an old fox. And he said, foxes have holes, places where they live, birds of the air. The Roman legions, eagles, have a place of headship. But I have been rejected. He wasn't saying he slept out. He slept out on the street for 33 years. Come on. Let's catch up. Let's catch up. Let's stop believing religious tradition and start reading the Bible. Brother Mike, he did, his parents brought two pigeons when he was circumcised. That's the, that's the definition of the poorest of the poor. Right. That's before the kings of the east got there with their treasures. Well, Brother Mike, all they brought was gold, frankincense, and myrrh. (laughs) Yeah. That's all they brought. (laughs) That's all they brought. We've got the three wise men riding, only three. There were three wise men. Show me that in the Bible. Doesn't say that. There were three kinds of gifts. They were kings, not paupers. When's the last time you saw Prime Minister Trudeau riding a bicycle in Abbotsford with nobody around him? He's the Prime Minister. He has bodyguards. They were kings. Can anybody explain this? If you want to make some Christians mad, tell them two things. God has more than enough for you and wants you blessed. I reject that. Stupid zone. If God's got a lot for us, not just an area of money. I'm not talking about just money. I'm talking about joy. Let me ask you a question. How many of you would like to have more than enough joy? Well, Brother Mike, why would I want to have more than enough joy? Watch this. If I don't have more than enough for me of whatever it is, then I can't give anything away to anybody else. But if I've got more than enough joy, I can give joy away to others. Jesus did. 
He said, my joy I give to you. How many would like to have more than enough peace? Would you like to have more than enough peace? Why? See, you can make others peaceful. Have you ever got around people that just, you were in turmoil, but when you got around them, all of a sudden, you know, just talking to them brought peace in your spirit? How many would like to have more than enough wisdom? Why? So you can help the next generation. So you can help other people. How many would like to have more than enough money? Amen. Brother Mike, that money, if you had too much of it, it would send you to hell. Don't worry, I'm not going to pull out the queen. I'll pull out one of my guys. I want to show you something about money. See that? You know what that is? That is a tree. A tree. Somebody went in the woods and cut it down and made paper out of it. It's a tree. And then they put green ink on it. And you see this man on here? His name is Benjamin Franklin. You see this man on here? I want to tell you something about this man. He's dead. He's dead. He's not alive anymore. So you know what this is? This is a dead tree with green ink and a dead man living on it. That's what this is. Dead man on a dead tree surrounded by green ink. And this is supposed to have the power to send me to hell. This dead man on this tree does not have the power to separate me from the man who died on a tree and who lives forevermore. And the way you know it doesn't have the power to do that is your ability to take it and be a receiver. Sow it in somebody else's life. Now, you all are thinking, I bet she goes and gets that back after the service. <laughs> now, go ahead and keep it. Go ahead and keep it. Say, Brother Mike, don't you need it? I have a Jehovah Jireh. I said, I have a Jehovah Jireh. He said, and I just used money because I had it right there. But it works for everything. Don't settle for too less of joy when you can have more than enough joy. Don't settle for too less of peace, too less of wisdom when you can have more than enough. I'm going to close in a minute, but let me give you a scripture. Do you know the Bible says this? Our God, and I've done this here before in another message, but I want to do it again. Our God, let me show you the way most of the time we quote it. Our God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or even think. I see some of you wanting to move up closer, wondering if I'm reaching for my pocketbook. <laughs> but that's the way we usually quote it. Our God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you're able to ask or even think. But this is really to feel the pathos of it. Can I get a chair? To feel the pathos of this, 
you almost have to read it like this. He is able, loose it and let it go. Amen. Just set it up there. The Bible says this. This, this is the way you've got to read this. And get the money out of your mind right now. Get it joy, peace, wisdom, whatever. If you need more money, put the money in your mind. Whatever it is you need, watch this. I'm going to move that back just a little bit, lest I dash my foot against a stone. He is able, here's the way it reads. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we are able to ask or even think. He wants to take me from down there to up here. In other words, he says, I like you to have this kind of joy, but some of you settled for that kind of joy. My blood was shed to give you this level of peace, but some of you want to have that level of peace. And you say, Brother Mike, God decides that. No, God has already decided that he gave us this level of availability. He gave us this level of availability. I am come that you might have life and, and have it more abundantly. So this level of joy, come on, if I can do all this, you, you can learn. This level of joy is available. But if I settle for that level of joy, God won't override my will. Are you putting this on Periscope right now? <laughs> I know you're not. Go ahead. Take the picture. It's fine. This level of wisdom is available. This level of forgiveness is available. This level of provision is available. All of this is available. What purchased this? The blood of Jesus on the cross. It purchased it all. It didn't just purchase forgiveness of our sin. It purchased healing for our body. It purchased peace for our mind. It purchased freedom from our sins. It, it purchased all of these things. It purchased provision for our dreams. All of this is available. And don't you, let me ask you this. If you were a father, oh, yes, it is. If you were a father and you had purchased this level for your children and they did this to you, I don't want that. I know you sent your son and my elder brother died that I might have abundant joy but I'm going to settle for this. Let me ask you something. If you were a father, how would that make you feel? How would it make you feel? I sent my only begotten son so my new sons and daughters could have abundant life, could have abundant joy, abundant peace, abundant provision. But they settled for what the enemy told them they had to have. I'm done teaching. I want to give you this one thing. Do not settle for condemnation when you can have freedom. 
Do not settle for bondage when you can have forgiveness. The decision is not God's. The decision is ours. What level will you receive? It's not a matter if God is a giver. How many believe that God is a giver? I'll give you one more little song. It's one of my favorites. Olivia, can you go? I love this song. It's a relatively new song. You all probably sing it here, I think, probably. Josh, I don't know. I, guess, I think you sing it here. I'm not sure. Good, good father. One of my favorite songs. He's a good, good father. You don't have to play that one right now. Just play anything in worship, whatever. It says, he's a good, good father. That's what he is. That's who he is. And I'm loved by him. That's who I am. And I love that. I love those words. I think it's wonderful. I think it's great. But, you know, I was singing it, and it's one of my favorite songs. I was really getting into it, Pastor Nelson. I was in this conference I was preaching, and, and hundreds of us are there, and I've got my hands raised, and he's a good, good father. That's who you are. And I'm loved by you. That's who I am. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me so clearly. And in conclusion, this is what he said to me. He said, I loved you before I was your father. The fact that you're loved by me doesn't make you any different than you were before you were saved. He said, Michael, I'm glad that you know that I love you. But he said, sing it that way the first time through and then sing it this way the next time through. You're a good, good father. That's who you are. And then he said, sing it this way. I'm a born-again son. That's who I am. And the second time through, I sang it that way. You're a good, good father. That's who you are. And I'm a, and it, it almost didn't want to come out because it's easy for us to know who God is. But he wants us to know what he's made us. What he's made us. To as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. And so I sang it. It almost didn't want to come out. Something wanted to keep it in. I sing, you're a good, good father. That's who you are. And I'm a born-again son. That's who I am. And before God, I felt the smile of the Lord come across his face because he said, I bought you with my blood so you would know that you're my son. So now I sing I'm loved by him, but I also sing I'm a born-again son. I'm a born-again son. Would you look right at me? Don't settle for less. I want to speak a prophetic word. Pastor David and Pastor Winona, you have walked through almost two years of attack on your life. And in a real sense, not only have these two walked through, but this family as a church have walked through it together. They're family members, but the family of the church has walked through it with them. And I want you to hear what I have to say to you today.
the Lord wants me as his representative to commend you for the way you've walked through this valley with your pastors. It has not been an easy thing. It's been a difficult thing. The Lord wants me to talk this way to you. It's been a hard thing. It's been an unknown thing. It's been a thing that you didn't know in the natural, brother, how it would turn out. In the natural, we didn't know if Winona would be with us. We spent hours on the phone together, praying together, counseling, encouraging, helping, agreeing, believing. This isn't a downer word. Hear the word of the Lord. And the Lord would say to this congregation and to Pastor David Winona, you've walked through the valley of the shadow of death, and death was not able to claim you. Now I want you to prepare to make the enemy Pay back seven times over what he has removed from you during this last two years. Not only in their situation, but in situations many of you have walked through. And the Lord would further have me say this to you. Some of you are too passive at going after what the enemy has taken from you. And the Lord says this to you, do you not know that my word has said that whatever a thief steals from you, you have a right as my child to demand repayment seven times over. And the Lord says to this congregation, don't settle for less. Don't settle for less. Hear me. I'm about done. Hear me. He's saying, don't settle for just surviving. Don't settle. He's speaking to some grandparents here, some fathers and mothers here, and some of your kids and your grandkids are far away from God. And the word of the Lord is this, don't settle for that. Don't settle for less. When the blood of my son died to give you abundance. Daniel, don't settle. Pastor Daniel and Brenda, don't settle for anything less than the vision God has given you. Don't settle for anything less than the vision God has given you. Pastor Daniel, God has placed on you a unique ability to inspire the people of God. You have a unique ability to cast vision. You are, in some sense, a master painter. You paint with words a vision of what God will do for people. Son, don't settle 
for anything less than who you are. You are a master vision caster. You are a master dreamer. The spirit of Joseph is upon you. The Joseph of the Old Testament that God brought to greatness. Even the spirit of a Daniel, your namesake. This isn't just about Daniel. This isn't just about what you've walked through. We're going to go in a little bit. But today is the day of destiny. I believe today is the day, and I know, I know, Pastor David, you said you want to receive an offering in a little while from my ministry. Well, that's fine, and we'll get to that. And I don't mean to demean that or diminish that, and I appreciate and love the seed of the people, and I appreciate that. And we'll get to that. But I feel strong that God wants to bring you out of a passive settlement. Come on, hear those words. Out of a passive settlement. This is all it's going to be. I'll never get over this. This is the new normal. No, it isn't. I say as a prophetic voice, you don't have to live any far short of what God has planned for you. His blood has ensured that. Don't be passive any longer. Be aggressive. Go after it. Go after it. Go after it. And God will back you up. The Lord wants me to say this one last thing to you. You shall decree a thing, and it will be established unto you. Change your words. Don't say anymore, well, I guess I'm just going to have to learn to live with this. No, begin to say this. I'm going to live above this. I'm going to conquer this. If God is for me, nobody can be against me. Hallelujah. Raise both hands and begin to give praise to the Lord right now. Come on, all over the building. Come on, use your voice. Begin to give praise to the Lord. Begin to give praise to the Lord. I may never again be here just like this. We'll never again be together just like this. This is the only day we have. We have no assurance of tomorrow. Come on, begin to give him praise all over the building. Father, we're not going to settle for less. Come on, begin to tell the Lord that from your spirit. Lord, I'm not going to settle for depression. I'm not going to settle for living under the guilt of sin that has been forgiven. I'm not going to settle for sorrow in my life when there is joy. I'm not going to settle for not enough finance when you are my Jehovah Jireh. I'm not going to settle for not enough joy when you are the oil of gladness. God, I want to live at the level you want me to live in the name of Jesus. I know in myself I'm not worthy of it, but I know I'm not in myself. I'm in Christ Jesus, and you have made me worthy. And this spirit of weariness is going to go out of my life. This spirit of sorrow is going to go out of my life. This spirit of confusion is going to go out of my life. This spirit of religion is going to go out of my life. And I'm going to receive everything you have for me, Lord. Everything you have for me. Because if I don't, I'm insulting the blood of Jesus. Jesus, you shed your blood that I could have it. And I'm going to be a receiver. 
I dare you begin to say the Lord. I am a receiver. Come on, begin to tell him. I am a receiver. I'm a receiver of your grace. I'm a receiver of your benefits. I'm a receiver. I am a receiver in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I want you to look at me. How many in this building would say, Brother Mike, and the Spirit of God, I'm not just doing, I didn't plan to do this. I'm doing what this Holy Spirit is telling me to do. I only get to be with you occasionally. I didn't come to just do, do another thing on my calendar. I've got a lot of things on my calendar. I came to pour out what I'm supposed to pour out here. That's why I came. And the Holy Spirit of God is saying in my spirit, there are people here today, you love Jesus, you love him, you want to serve him, you are serving him. But there's a spirit of sorrow that has attached itself to you. And it's a sadness. It's a sorrow. Some of you have it because of things that have happened in your past. And the brokenness has never really been healed. Others of you don't even know why you're feeling it. It's just there. It's a spirit of sorrow. And the Holy Spirit said to give you an opportunity to get that broken in your life today and not settle for that. And there's several of you here like that. How many of you just say, Brother Mike, please pray for me. I don't even understand it, but the spirit of sorrow has tried to attach itself to me recently. And I want you to pray for me. If you're like that, raise your hand up high right now in Jesus' name. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, the Holy Spirit knows, doesn't he? Amen. You can put them down. The Holy Spirit knows. I didn't start, I didn't have any plan to ask about that. But so many of you, I want those of you to raise your hands. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Hey, we're family here. I said, we're not an organization. We're a family. And family cares. When one member of the family hurts, the other member of the family hurts. I love the fact that this church has the older and the middle-aged and the young. There's no generation gap in a family. We care. I want those of you that raised your hands, I want to pray for you. Would you just stand right where you are? Just stand to your feet. Raise your hands, stand to your feet. I'm going to pray for you. Wow, so many of you. I had no idea, Pastor David. I had no, no intention of going here today. But the Holy Spirit knows. There's a lot of things I don't know, but I do know the voice of the Holy Spirit. And he knows what you need. And I'm a lot less concerned about getting to my ministry's offering than I am about seeing your life touched. We'll get to that in a minute, in a little while. But I want your life touched today. I want those of you that are standing, I want to pray for you. I want you to come to me right here. Just come. Just come. Say excuse me. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. You may be a guest today. You may be home folk. I don't care. Just come stand up here. Would you stand? I'm not going to come to every one of you. I'm just going to pray over you as a group. Just come. 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 Thank you, Master. Just come up close. rest of you, would you stand with me all over the building? Wow. Pastor David, Pastor Daniel, would you come up here? Pastor Nelson, would you come stand with me? In the quietness of this moment, I want you to just look right at me, all of you. 
Just look right at me. He, Jesus, was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, not so we would be too, but so we didn't have to be. He bore our griefs. He carried our sorrows. He took them for us. Said, Brother Mike, you don't know the sorrow in my life. You don't know the pain. If you knew the pain, honey, if you knew the pain I've walked through in my life, I didn't learn these things in a theology course. I thank God for my education, but that's not where I learned it. I learned it when my firstborn child was born with cerebral palsy. And I had to walk through deep waters. I learned that his joy overcomes sorrow. I learned it when those I've loved a lifetime turned and went another way. And I was left to face the midnight, and it hurt too much to pray. And when my faith had been stained, and my mind wouldn't understand, and I had nothing left but God, I had enough to start again. And so do you. And so I don't stand up here as an unscarred warrior. I got some scars. And they just remind me the grace that always finds me. And today I don't live in sorrow. I don't know if you can tell or not, but I don't live in sorrow. I live in joy. And I'm grateful. Just come in close. I'm going to pray for you that the spirit of sorrow would come off of your life. Listen to me. The Bible says, if two of us will agree as touching anything on the earth in the name of Jesus, that the Father would do it. Do you believe that's true? If you do, say amen. So I make a promise to you. God has not restricted me in agreeing with anybody in here today. So I make a promise to you in a moment. I'm going to come into a covenant of agreement with you, every one of you. And these pastors that are up here are going to come into a covenant agreement with you. And you say, but Brother Mike, I don't feel like my faith is real strong. That's why we're in family together. When one is weak, the other is strong. There may be a time when I'm weak and I'll need your faith. But right now, I'll blend my faith with yours. We're going to come against spirit of sorrow. Stretch hand out toward me. Open your eyes. Look right at me, please. I'm not praying right now. I'm going to do something first. This doesn't mean you're demonized. Doesn't mean you're demonic. None of that. It's not what I'm talking about but I'm going to take authority over the attack of the enemy of the spirit of sorrow. So just look at me, come into agreement with me right now. Those of you in the audience, get in agreement with us. I come against the spirit of sorrow by the authority of the name of Jesus. And in the name of Jesus, I have authority over every demonic assignment that would come against our lives. Over every sorrow and every frustration. So in the name of Jesus... 
and by the blood of Jesus and according to the word, we come now, get in agreement now, we come now into agreement together. And our agreement is greater than the spirit of sorrow in Jesus' name. So we now decree and declare that the spirit of sorrow comes under our feet and that the joy of the Lord is released in our life. And we will rejoice in the Lord our God. Even in the middle of negative circumstances, we will rejoice in the Lord our God. Now, I pray for you now in Jesus' name. Come on, pastor, just move up close. We don't have to reach everyone. But in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, we agree and we come into agreement together that the joy of the Lord is now released. The joy of the Lord is now released. Come on, just begin to rejoice. Begin to rejoice in the Lord. The joy of the Lord is now released. Come on, just begin to rejoice in the Lord. The joy of the Lord is now released. The joy of the Lord is now released in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, we release the joy of the Lord in our lives in the name of Jesus. We release the joy of the Lord by the anointing of God. Now begin to rejoice in the Lord. Begin to give Him praise. Come on. Not just with your hands, with your mouth, with your mouth, with your mouth. Lord, I begin to rejoice in the Lord. I begin to rejoice, even though the circumstances haven't changed. I'm rejoicing anyway. I'm going to rejoice. Lord, I agree with this man in the name of Jesus. Lord, you can break that sorrow over his life, that pain even from many, many years ago, the pain from many, many years ago that would have tried to label him. We reject every label other than what you call us, Lord. You call us a son of the Most High God. Oh, come on, rejoice in the Lord, church. Rejoice in the Lord, your God. Rejoice in the Lord, your God. Rejoice in the Lord, your God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Look right here. Look right at me. The prophet said this, even though the fig tree does not blossom, even though there is the olive tree fails, even if there be no herds in the stall, here's a key to joy. Watch this. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord my God. Which means what? Even before the circumstances change, I'm going to rejoice. Even before people change, and some of them may never change, but I'm going to rejoice in the Lord my God. Even if I'm in the Roman jail cell, right in the book of Philippians, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord my God. Even when people have abandoned me and hurt me and turned against me, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord my God. And when you begin to do that, it's a decision on your part. And it's not a feeling. There's a lot of times I don't feel like it. There's great sorrow that tries to come against my life occasionally. And when it does, I combat it by joy. I'm going to rejoice in the Lord my God. 
I don't feel it. I don't want to. I don't see how it's changing. But you are my God. And I'm going to rejoice in you. And when you do that, you make demons have a nervous breakdown. They don't know what to do. <laughs> they have no idea what to do. And the spirit of sorrow that has tried to come on this church as a corporate body, we decree and declare that it has no authority in this house. Come on, let's get an agreement with that. The spirit of sorrow that has tried to come on this house, we decree and declare it has no authority. No authority, it's solid rock. Solid rock rejoices in the Lord our God. Hallelujah. We will rejoice. We will rejoice. Oh, I wish you would, I wish you would rejoice like you've never rejoiced before. I wish you'd lift your voice for just about 30 seconds and rejoice like you've never rejoiced before. I dare you to do it right now. I dare you to do it for about 30 seconds. Oh, hallelujah. You're our God. We rejoice in you, Lord. We refuse the spirit of sorrow. We refuse the spirit of sorrow. We rejoice in the Lord, our God. We rejoice even when it hadn't happened yet, Lord. We rejoice in the Lord, our God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Before I turn it to Pastor Daniel in a minute, we'll give you some instruction. He will. I want you to say this out loud with me. In the name of Jesus, from this day forward, I refuse to settle for less, anything less than what God has planned for me. I refuse to settle. In the name of Jesus, praise the Lord. Give the Lord a clap offering. Hallelujah. <laughs> Pastor Daniel, would you come here? And in a moment, he'll let you go back to your seat in a minute. And Pastor David told me when you finish preaching that he wants the church to sow a seed into our ministry. And we appreciate that. You're always very generous with our ministry. We never make any demands. We come to pour our lives out and the Word of God to you. But in a moment, he'll receive a seed for our ministry. And there have been times, Apostle Nelson, that I've felt to teach on seed, and I've taught you about it. I've given you testimonies of harvest, and many of you have had testimonies of seeds that you've sown and the harvest that have come. But I don't ever do that in order to get an offering for my ministry. I do that to teach the people how to get their harvest. And I haven't felt to do that this time. I felt to teach and preach what I felt God wanted you to have, how to move to next and don't settle for less. And, and a thought style becomes a lifestyle. And so we haven't talked about it. I will mention one thing. This offering that Pastor Daniel is going to receive We'll go into Strength and Wisdom Ministries. not going to come into my life personally. goes into Strength and Wisdom Ministries. And the, what I'm going to use this offering for is at the end of October, the end of this month, at our Gathering of Eagles in Branson, Missouri, and your pastors and others here have been there with me. 
And we always sow into other ministries that are there. Thousands of dollars. And we've, we've saved some money in our ministry. And I'm asking the Lord above our regular budget before the end of the month, and our budget's a budget, <laughs> but above our regular budget, for an extra $15,000 to come in during this month to add with what we've saved up already so at the, at, at the Gathering of Eagles I can distribute to other ministries. I've been criticized for doing that, <laughs> which I don't understand. But I really believe that what I make happen for others, God will make happen for me. So you can know that this offering this seed that you sow is a double-sown seed that it will come into our ministry and we'll sow it again out of our ministry, and it will be a blessing. Often the Lord will give me a certain seed to say to the people of God, even as Elijah said to the widow something specific, but he hasn't done that this week, and I would never say he has when he hasn't. But his sheep know his voice. I said his sheep know his voice. And he'll speak to some of you at different levels. But when I give, I always give this way. I will not offer the Lord that which costs me nothing. I would never do that. And so as you give today, you hear the voice of God and obey him. And it'll be a good offering that we can sow into other ministries. And if I'm, if I'm going to ask you to sow, I ought to sow. Pastor Daniel, I didn't know you were going to the Ukraine. And you snuck it in on me. And, and on a lot of people. I think it snuck in on him. I don't think he knew. And he went. And I just want you to know that Strength and Wisdom Ministries is going to bring the money back that you've spent on your ticket and on your trip to the Ukraine because we want to partner. You're good soil. You're good soil. You've got a missionary's heart, missionary's heart, and you're going to stand in front of a lot of nations. You're going to stand in front of a lot of nations.